0: My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Becca Stevens. Becca is many things. She is an Episcopal priest, an author, a speaker, and a social entrepreneur. She is the founder and president of Thistle Farms, a social enterprise of women who have survived prostitution, trafficking, and addiction. It's the largest social enterprise in the U.S. run by survivors. We are so excited to chat with her today. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, ABC World News, NPR, PBS, and she was recently named a 2016 CNN hero. Becca, so excited to welcome you to Heroes for Her. Erin, I'm so happy to be here.
1: Thank you for even thinking about me. I love that you tripped up over the word Episcopal. Is that a hard
0: word for you? Totally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got to just keep awesome. going though. You know, it's, it's a podcast. Like, for me. It is hard. <laughs> is it hard work that you do too? Because I know you're working at Vanderbilt and you're doing, you're doing so many different things. Like how do you split your time between all of these responsibilities that you have to do?
1: You know, I think like all women, I just put one foot in front of me and do the thing that, you know, I need to do today. It's like, I think of like being a mom and being working and trying to live into my calling, all as these beautiful ways that we're just tending the field, the vineyard that we've been put in. So some days you need to weed, some days you need to water. I like that. (laughs) I just don't worry about it. I just do. You know, we all have 24 hours. We're all busy. And so the best thing to do is, in my mind at least, the best way to organize it is start out with what's most important to you at the beginning of the day. So I do my prayer and my writing at the beginning before anybody in my house stirs. And that way I'm kind of ready to get going, you know. And I don't feel like the day is defining me. I feel like I have a jump on
0: sunrise and the day and to get ready. I need that too. Like I, I need that jump in the morning, you know, before the kids get up and just the quiet time that you can spend with the Lord and like writing in your journal. And that's, that's my time to like get dialed in for the rest of the day. And if I don't do that stuff, the day oddly doesn't go the way I want it to. Right.
1: It always is that way. I met a woman who said she was Catholic and she said she went to mass every day and she had 11 children. And I said, Wow, okay, (laughs) you're already my hero, right? (laughs) Like, how have you done that? And she said, I have learned, if I get up early and make time for God, that God makes time for everything else.
0: Mm, It's so true. Well, we'll get into your family. So that's kind of what
1: I've
0: done. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I wanted to, I have so much to talk to you about. So I want to start off with, you know, (laughs) like, it's so great too, because I I get to, you know, before I interview people, I get to watch interviews and I I watched like a recent sermon. You talked about John the Baptist in the wilderness. Like we're going to hopefully get into all of that. But I just want to start for the people who are meeting you over, you know, on the airwaves for the first time. Can you just walk us through like... You know, a little bit about your childhood. You moved to Tennessee from New York, like, in the 1960s. You were really young at the time. Your mom and dad moved you guys, you know, out of out of New York to the country. What was that like, like, just, just getting started and having it be so different, even though you were so young? Well, see, I don't remember it. That's the amazing thing.
1: So I don't remember moving here. I was really young. What I remember was my mom telling the story that we moved here and that after we came, my dad was a Episcopal pastor. He was starting a new church in Tennessee from New York. So we were all born in Connecticut, New York, you know, got in the station wagon, came South 1968, and then he was killed by a drunk driver. So my very first memory is really grieving my daddy. And it sounds awful, but in some ways it was really, really tender. But what happens for kids and what I learned along the way is when you have a tragedy like that in your family, that it opens you up to a whole world of vulnerability and violence. So, you know, you go from this beautiful wife with five kids at 35 years old. Now she's a widow. She's trying to figure out how to make it. And I think because we were hurting so bad at that point, I was five years old, that One of the elders in the church who, quote unquote, helped my family, which is what happens. People step in who are pretty malicious and want to take advantage of people who are, you know, suffering. So he started sexually abusing me. It started in the church and it went on for years. I think really my last memory of it is about eight, eight and a half years old. So when you say, what do I remember about moving from New York. I don't have that memory, but I have a memory of my mom telling the story of kind of how it all fell apart. But in the midst of all that, there was also, I had these loving siblings. I had a mom who was really faithful and trying to make it. And I think kind of how, um, you know, so many people get thrown out to the streets or they just feel so disillusioned, they give up. And I had this place where I knew both the brokenness of what community can do, but also had this beautiful sense of how love can hold us
0: together. And I want to, that's so beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about just the effect that that had on your family. You know, your dad wasn't around anymore. And I know, I mean, I know a little bit of the, the background of this story. So you watched your mom. Did she work at a community center? Did she run the center? Can you talk about, because healing and community were just became sort of a part of your childhood, even after, you know, even while the abuse is going on, will you just talk about like what your mom did to kind of rise up and, and keep going? But but how the Center for Community like became, became something special for your family or at least for you so
1: my mom started working at a daycare center I mean she had to start at the bottom because she was home with the kids she had a degree in nursing but she had kind of gotten out of that field for like eight or nine years when she had these five kids so in her early 20s she went to Rochester University she became a registered nurse and then she stopped when she started being a mom and so when my dad died She went back to work and she started working in daycare and it was at an Episcopal community center that was working with poor children. So all of a sudden we were going to that center with her like after school holidays, we all just went and we were a part of that community. And my mom was such an amazing person. You would, I mean, you would have loved her. She was, you know, on the body of Christ, she was the hands. She was direct and loved the practicality of how faith helps each other. So anyway, she became the director of daycare, then she became the director of the whole community center. She built what for her was probably a cathedral. I mean, she went out and raised a million dollars back in the early 80s, so years and years ago, to build this beautiful gymnasium for children who were underserved in the community of Nashville, Tennessee. And all of this was within the bounds of the church. So she would go to like women's groups and fundraisers and try to raise the money to do it. So I was right there with her. I mean, she would just take you along on her journey for justice, you know, for women and children and poor people in communities. So I got a firsthand education about what it looks like to
0: live out your faith. So were you inspired by that at an early age? I mean, did you, and and as you even describe your mom, like the practical you know, measures that she took and her being the hands of the church and making it really like serving people was just a part of who she was. But even as you describe her, I'm like, you're describing yourself. Like, did you realize when you were young and with her in this situation that this was going to be a calling on your own life? Well, we talk all the time about how we
1: model our faith. And I think sometimes we think, We have to preach to our children. We have to teach them. And really, I think the most powerful thing for me is my memories of childhood, of being in the car with her when she was going to deliver meals to people who were sick and homeless. And seeing how she treated women who were poor and trailer parked with kids that she was going to go help the same way she would treat somebody that was a donor. I think I learned so much by watching her. And I think that's the most powerful memories that we can offer our kids. And like, how do we live out our faith? Not what we say about our faith, but how do we live it out? And how do we bring our kids along? So like my children have been a part of the Thistle Farms community their whole lives. Women have come over to our house always who were once on the streets and in prison and prostituted my kids have been to Africa multiple times when we've started social enterprises and when we've gone to visit women who are survivors of trafficking, addiction, and prostitution. And I know it's had an impact. So my oldest now is 25 years old, and he is a singer and a songwriter like his dad. And one of the very first videos he did was one of one of the women at Thistle Farms who touched his heart so much when he was growing up like you don't even know how it's affecting
0: people but it does that's like that like you love you can't explain you know what i mean you just do it and it's it's like planting a seed and the holy spirit does its work and you know it's so neat it's so Absolutely. neat to hear stories like that too and how how your family was so blessed and like just you different connections and relationships like that you said your kids form like i know and most of the parents on the show like we have daughters or we have kids and we want them we so deeply want them to form these real relationships, these connections with people, and this is—that's really how it began for you guys.
1: Absolutely, and I'm—and you know, I mean, I think the best thing you know that we do is obviously love our children, and lay down our life for them, and to know that their lives are in the hands of of God, who loves them deeper and longer than we can ever imagine. And so how we show that love is by loving the world
0: and introducing our kids to that. Amen, sister. So the genesis of Thistle Farm, like it naturally sort of just was what you did with your family in those early years, like... When did you realize and obviously, you know, if you're you're blessing people, you're bringing them in, you're trying to create this support structure around these women who are who are victims of abuse and being trafficked and you're trying to pull them out and and really just lift that, help them rise up and come out of these out of that situation. When did you realize that it was time to create a longer term system of support for these women? You know, not just like a place you can go, but to make it something where it was this it's this social enterprise. It's a business. It's a I mean, it is a very profitable, successful business. And the model for that has just continued to grow. Like, how did that happen?
1: Well, I want to say that it wasn't just because of the blessing in my life. It was also because of the brokenness.
0: I mean, when you're abused for
1: several years straight, it has a profound impact Mm. And I think the combination of all of us, which is the truth, is all of us have blessedness and brokenness in our lives. All of us have both. And when we can see how we can transform that brokenness into compassion, that's when it becomes healing. That's when it becomes powerful in these ways that we could not imagine. So because I had, I think, a mom and a family that had this loving presence that I could deal with the brokenness and try to figure it out. In the best I could, but honestly, I still made tons of mistakes and needed tons of forgiveness, by the way. (laughs) But I started thinking about really like, to me, it seemed like all the things that were options for women who were coming off the streets out of prisons, who were survivors of trafficking, addiction, and prostitution, all the options seemed kind of violent to me, that it wasn't this peaceful, loving sanctuary where they could find healing. So we started early on in 1997, just opening up one house. We invited five women in and said, you know, you don't have to be a part of any systems anymore. We don't take any federal or state funding. We're not answering to the courts. You can just come in and figure out how love heals in your life. About four years into it, the women were doing great work. But the problem was you know, they were still dirt poor, and if we're talking about really loving people, we had to be concerned about their economic well-being. So that's when we started Thistle Farms, and we said, let's make something really healing for the body. I mean, Aaron, when you talk about you have this ministry, especially to young wom- women, to feel like they know what it means to be heard and loved, also reminding them about how beautiful their bodies are and how it's created in the image of God is huge. So... For us, it was, these are bodies that have been abused, so let's make something healing for the body. That was back in 2001, and all we keep doing is just taking the next right step. So we work with groups around the world. We work with 60 different communities around the U.S. We just keep growing, so we're one voice that says, the universal issues of sexual violence against women that are born on individual women's back.
0: There's healing possible for everyone in community. I love that so much. I want to ask you about the first product you guys ever made was a candle. Can you explain the significance of that for the people that don't know? Sure. And, you know, the one of the
1: more amazing thing is we started out, you know, literally pouring a pot of candles and like, okay, here's
0: a candle. Will you buy it? Here's a candle. Will you buy it? I mean, it was no, totally
1: <laughs> so mom and pop store. I mean
0: like you gotta start somewhere.
1: Well, we were <laughs> no. so happy. Like we sell ten candles a week. It's a good week. Yeah, totally. You know, and this year we've probably
0: sold sixty or seventy thousand. Oh I know and like the whole thing with Whole Foods and just it, it being in all the it's store. Like crazy. no, it's so funny how God like God just does amazing things if when you're faithful. It's just funny.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the sign of the spirit I've learned is that it's always a surprise and it's always more abundant than you think.
0: Which Always is hilarious, because if you look Always back the at the history, you you can see, like, God's abundance and his love, like, pouring out on you. And and sometimes in the moment, you're like, oh, is this going to happen? Like, is God going to show up? And if you just look back at the history, yeah. like, he clearly shows up in a big way. Like, I have evidence of that all over my own, my personal life, you know, and, and I know you do, too. I think it's, and you know,
1: and the fact that it still surprises us, what a, what a joy. Oh, yeah, you know, especially given like sometimes the climate and, and the news and the division that you see all around us in this world, that there's still this spirit that swoops in and it carries us in a surprisingly abundant way to a new place. It's like, I mean, we could never have imagined a gift that great.
0: Anyway, sorry, I focus. I know we you like, we got off on a tangent. Like, a tangent. I was like, no, we can talk about this all day. But like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so for the sure. Candle we did
1: because the idea of, so we made the body balm, which was healing for the body and we made the candle, you know, partly because I'm very, very, again, like my mama, very practical. And so those products have a long shelf life and they're easy to make. In addition, the idea of the candle is that a single candle can light a path through the darkest night. No candle is diminished by lighting another, and that we light a candle for every woman who is still on the streets and trying to find her way home. So theologically, spiritually, whatever you want to say, practically, faithfully, the candle was a great product. So we started making them, and then we started, we made a commitment that every single day we would stand in a circle, and we would repeat that prayer and light a candle, and we've never stopped, ever. I mean, women come in, women come out, times change, you know, administrations change,
0: all that kind of stuff. And we still light the candle. I love that so much. And it's it, since that first product was a candle and that was what you guys were doing, it's, it's just grown and expanded so much. Will you share with people sort of what's on the horizon, what you're doing now and how things have just expanded and, and just where you guys are going? Sure. Well,
1: we're growing in all kinds of ways, and I think the most, the easiest way for people to grasp it is to think of us as a vertically integrated model. So we can help the next woman coming off the streets of Nashville. We can help the next woman who is rescued from trafficking in the U.S. We can help the next woman who needs to find a community anywhere in the world through all these affiliated networks and these sisterhoods that we're trying to create. So what's next for us is to work with a group of young women who are survivors in Nigeria, a group of women who are survivors in Greece. We're going to be working with the Syrian refugees who are in Greece, trying to, you know, raise their kids in a tent for years now, it looks like. And we want to give them a place to both remember how beautiful and loved they are and to have some access to get good food and clothing and stuff like that for their kids. So we're going to start weaving those life vests that they left Syria with into welcome mats.
0: So we're heading over in April for that. That's so awesome. You guys have so much going on. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I think for us to be able to highlight the work you're doing and more importantly, just share it with a community of people who really do want to rally around that love and community community and create that healing and that abundance that we all want for our lives and we want very desperately for our children. And it's wonderful. I mean, even as the mom of a young daughter, it's wonderful to be able to talk to people like you and to hear more about why you're doing what you're doing and how you feel called to just step into this little part of life, right? This this little area of life and do your part. And it's just, it's a simple act of obedience to just love on people and just to take it one step at a time. So thank you. You are so welcome. And I will say that I think um, the idea of giving our
1: young women really good models for how to be in this world is so important and to remember how beloved and smart and strong and all that we are. But I will also say that I think You know, if I had anything I would say to my young girls, and I had three boys, so I don't get to say it, (laughs) so I want (laughs) to say it to you, it's just this.
0: Don't dream small. It
1: doesn't serve the world.
0: That's such a good piece of advice. And actually, as we wrap up, too, I'm going to ask you to share a piece of advice. So, But if you didn't hear that one, will you repeat that for, for everybody who's listening? Say that one more time.
1: Well, because I wanted to be faithful, and I wanted to show my love for the Lord and show how I could you know, be a witness to that love in this world. And I think for way too long, I dreamed too small. And my advice to all of us, I mean, I'm talking about moms and daughters, is don't dream too small. If your vision of how love works and what is happening makes you
0: feel a little bit nervous, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's healthy. <laughs> yeah. We always talk about nervous being a healthy emotion, you know. Well, it's
1: like you, like you said. I let, you, left, you left your job six months ago to to. To move into this dream, that's scary, and it's supposed to be. I mean, that's what makes it
0: a faith walk. Totally, I think too. Like, and and I'm sure you're gonna attest to this. Like, you you just take one one step toward that thing, right? You get an idea, you write it down, and you take you just take the first step. And God's so faithful. If you're like headed in the wrong direction, He'll let you know. Yeah, you know, He lets you know. He loves you. He's paying attention to everything you're doing. So if you're and it's funny to like to step out in obedience and have Him affirm that. And then to feel brave enough to take another step. And I know, I know, I'm sure that's been part of it for you, right? Like you've got to step out sort of not knowing, but feeling yep. like you're being called away. And he's, he's right there to catch you if you make a mistake. And if you need a little put, I mean, he's there for everything you need. So it's just about, it's just about doing it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You're so awesome. I can't believe we have to wrap up. See so how awesome. fast that went? Yeah. I know. <laughs> These are the fastest episodes ever, but We do something at the end of each episode, and in a second when we're done, I um, I want to give you a chance to just share, you know, the best place for people to find you and and learn more about what you're doing and Thistle Farms and just you in general. But at the end of each episode, we wrap up with something called The Scoop. It's three rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so – Obviously, this podcast is called Heroes... I don't know
1: how rapid I am. Okay, right and, I, and I mean, I'm a
0: fast talker anyway, so I'll just shoot them at you, and then as you answer, we'll just let you do it in whatever speed makes Perfect. you feel comfortable. All right. Um, this podcast is called Heroes for Her, so we're all about celebrating and highlighting real heroes for girls. When you were a girl, who was your hero? Definitely
1: my mama. For all the reasons I talked about in this podcast,
0: my mama was my hero. She was my light. Second question... What is a piece of advice that someone's given you that has impacted your life in a powerful way? I heard a priest when I was a little minister who said, life is a gift, morality is
1: gratitude. In other words, how we live our life shows how grateful we are for the gift we've been given.
0: Mm.
1: I loved it, and it made a lot of sense to me.
0: Third question, if you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Mm. I don't know that I want a
1: superpower.
0: I love it. <laughs> You're like, I'm over it. I don't want one.
1: <laughs> I don't. I really don't. It's like I don't need to fly. I don't need to be invisible. I don't need any of that. I just need the strength to do what the next right thing is. Oh, I
0: love and it. that's
1: not really a superpower, but it's just to say, like, let me be as grounded as I can be to do all the work I have in front of me.
0: Amen, sister. I love it. Where is the best place for people to find out what you're doing, to connect with you so that they can know more about Thistle Farms and just everything you guys have going on?
1: Honestly, my favorite form of social media where I engage people is Twitter. Isn't
0: that awful? No, it's not awful. (laughs) In my experience, you got to pick one and go with it.
1: At Rev Becca Stevens. At Rev Becca Stevens is my Twitter handle. People can find out all about thistle farms and myself through our Facebook page at thistlefarms.org.
0: Awesome. Becca, thank you so much for being here. It has been wonderful just getting to know you and hearing more about your story. You are awesome. And you are too, and I wish you very very just all blessings and
1: growth and prosperity in this beautiful podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's okay. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com.